Okay, testing one, two, three. Anyway, um, good good uh, evening, everybody. Today's June 17, and I finally got a chance to sit down and do a recording for this week's podcast, episode two. And uh, this podcast is brought to you by a very good week this past week. Brought to you by the wonderful things from Mother Nature and its blessings. And brought to you by all you good people who really make life worth living and um, supporting. So, uh, it's good to um, get connected with you all again. And uh, I say meaning um, my family. Of course, we all uh, know the process for introducing ourselves and uh, to our people, our families. We always use the word "ke," "ke," meaning our relatives, our families. But I also use another phrase called "tiazina," and I learned that from my grandmother, my masan, and also my mom, Ado <clears throat> Shadai. Uh, the late Stephen Begay, I also um, learned it from him. And the, the phrase tiazene means like our elders, speaking to my elders and um, those who are older than me. And uh, it's a respectful term that you use when you address people of an older age. And um, I think it's a New Mexico thing because I don't really hear a lot of it on the Arizona side of the reservation. And um, I remember one time an uh, individual told me that it was very disrespectful to use that term. Uh, but of course, we've all been raised in different aspects of our culture and our tradition. And that's pretty much um, what I was raised with, uh, using that terminology in, in a very respectful way. So um, we'd like to again welcome you to episode two kind of looking at a lot of productivity to go over and to discuss. And um, of course, it was a very good week this week. Uh, many of us have were previewed to the, the news that the ICWA or the Indian Child Welfare Act was, um, a, was um, is sta still standing by the courts. And of course, um, that's a big win for Indian country and also for all tribal nations who look to protect our children who end up in foster care or leave the reservation. Um, it allows us to keep our children within our tribes, not to be adopted out among non-natives, in our case, non-Navajos. So that was good news to have uh, seen happen this past week for all of us out in Indian country. Adoeya. We uh, seen the news of Chaco Canyon. Um, Secretary Deb Holland had um, put the buffer zone in place for the interests of Chaco, the monument and its protection. But um, of course, as you kind of saw, <clears throat> leadership on the Navajo side has a different point of view. I see it in the point of sovereignty, um, disrespectful, being disrespectful to sovereignty of a tribal nation, especially the a tribe like Navajo, who has a um, very unique presence. I'm not saying that just because I'm Navajo and I'm being biased, 
but the fact that we are present in different states, uh, the four corners, and we also have um, a very unique structure to who we are, um, 88, uh, I'm sorry, it used to be 88 council delegates, but 24 delegates, 110 chapters, and um, all of our agencies from Eastern to um, Central, Fort Defiance Agency, Western Agency, Northern Agency. So all five of those agencies make up who we are as a tribe, our land base, how big it is. And of course, as all of you, I don't know if you know this, but um, our, our tribe was built on fossil fuels. So that's kind of been our backbone. <clears throat> you kind of recall the coal mines throughout Navajo, especially the big one right here outside of Winderock, the old Chevron mine that used to be um, P&M mine. And um, that was operational for a number of years. And then eventually it was closed and is now going through um, reclamation, remediation. And then of course the other mine out in Kienta, the Peabody mine, that one recently closed in 2019. And um, that was a very unique time to experience because um, I had just became the executive director for economic development for the Navajo Nation. And um, I was part of those conversations with the owners. Of course, Navajo was not a percentage owner in, of any of these facilities or any of these projects. They were all from a um, non-Navajo owned entities that were not even located on the reservation, like Salt River Project, or as you know it as SRP, <clears throat> that used to have the big um, NGS, Navajo Generating Station, up in Lachi, Page area. And the nation was told that the power plant was going offline and that the owners had decided to terminate the contract and the lease and start moving forward to clean green energy because one of those you know those shareholders was the city of Los Angeles that that um was the biggest customer of that power that came out from Navajo generating station and of course as you already probably know or not know the energy that came from that facility did not power any Navajo homes. Um, it powered homes on Tucson Electric um, down to the Valley in Phoenix, Nevada, and of course out to Los Angeles. So Los Angeles um, making the decision to go green by 2030 <clears throat> started making the steps to remove themselves from fossil fuel energy. So therefore Navajo was not given an ultimatum or a choice on what would happen. And I was part of those conversations. It actually started in 2017. And then when I came into office in 2019, I inherited those dialogues and I carried them out. It was very interesting because um, the 24th Navigation Council had requested a full report of the economic impact we would face as Navajo from the closure of NGS. And I remember spending hours in my office, days and even into the evenings, I actually got locked into my office one night because the uh, cleaning crew didn't even know I was still in the building. 
But um, I prepared this report <clears throat> and I provided it to leadership on the effects of the closure. And come to find out, <clears throat> Navajo receives its annual royalties from this facility, about $50 million a year. However, the biggest impacts were not on Navajo. They were of all the other interests, such as the city of Page, because their school district was funded from Navajo Generating Station. Their library, the city library, got money from NGS. The state of Arizona received a lot of taxes from this facility, and Navajo had none of those things. The only thing that we had was a annual royalty payment that went to fund our government's um, functioning, going into the trusts and going into our general funds, but that's all it did. It didn't open schools on the reservation. It didn't support a public library on Navajo. It didn't help build businesses, none of those things. So um, I had to be very careful in my dialogues with leadership, especially on the generating station side to understand where this closure was coming from. And as you are aware, the whole facility has um, been demolished and now they've been going through a reclamation of the facility up there in the Chi and the um, property, the land will be returned back to Navajo over like a 20, 30 year period. So like 2050, 2060, um, those, those areas, those lands will be returned back to Navajo. So very interesting because um, I looked at that and then I looked at what's happening at Chaco and you're kind of like, where are we at on the dialogue of our, our, of our energy portfolio? What are we going to do? Is it of interest to Navajo or should we look at other alternatives to renewable energy? And of course, you know, we're very last in those conversations and we, we carry them out uh, at the very end. It takes us time to make those decisions here on Navajo as compared to off-reservation. Your state governments can move a lot faster to make some of these decisions from the city level to the county level and to the city, the state level. So very interesting. I've been observing the conversations going back and forth regarding Chaco Canyon and kind of see both sides to the conversation. But I don't envy our leadership who have to make that decision on what's going to happen and where do we go and who do we hold accountable for all of that because, as you know, they've kind of created an opposition against the Interior Secretary, uh, Deb Holland. So now what? And where do, where do we go? So... Um, if you get a chance, um, there's a good movie that I watched recently called Oyate. It's on um, iTunes and it talks about the our family and our relatives that they faced up in in the northern area of the states, the Dakota Pipeline. And it was very uh, interesting to see the point of view from the the landholders, the tribal members, as well as those of interest to protect their lands. And it's a very powerful movie. So if you ever get a chance, um, check out Oyate. Uh, it's a very good, a good docu documentary on the what had happened a few years ago regarding the North Dakota pipeline. And you kind of see that dialogue in all tribal nations on what we go through and what we face when it comes to our natural resources, fossil fuels, and um, where the nation gets put when it comes of interest to 
the government or anybody else wanting to be a part of those dialogues. But um, as we move forward, uh, I talked to you guys last Saturday. It was a good conversation, a good introduction. Opened up the conversation of who I am and where I wanted this relationship to go with the podcast. But um, immediately the next day, I went out to take care of chores. And um, we have sheep, as I had mentioned. And um, we've had about 27 lambs that were born. And they went through their castration as well as cutting their tails. So we did that a couple weeks ago. And then this past Sunday, we went and we vaccinated as well as dewarmed the older ones, getting them ready for the season. So that was fun. Uh, It was just myself and my dad that did that. Of course, with my mom yelling at us from the fence. I remember looking at her a couple times telling her, well, you get in here and try to grab them because she would say, grab that one, grab that one. Hurry up. It was funny, so it was great. So that was on Sunday, and I, I I could just smell sheep for the rest of the day. And I could smell sheep the next day at work. And it was um it was funny because I was telling my my team that um I had what I had did on Sunday and I could still smell the sheep and as though I was there in the sheep corral. But um this is was a very busy week. A lot of things happened. Um, at work, at home, with family, um, 24-7. And I was thinking about that because I I wanted to talk about productivity and what it means to me. It's always being busy, being busy nonstop. And I always get told that by a couple people who observe me through Snapchat or what have you, but they're always like, do you ever sleep? And I, I make fun of it and I tease and I say, I haven't slept since 20, the year 2000, actually. So it, it, it it's, a, it's a funny dialogue. But um, I think of this process of life with all existence as um, a human and how we're brought here. And of course, I grew up traditional, but I also grew up with a strong foundation of church, of having a religion. So when I pray, you know, I pray um, to everything, how I was raised um, as a human. And when I live my life, I always notice that I do things in a manner of um, shopping echo. And I I, I think it's just a habit of doing that. And I think of the reference of um, shopping echo sa'otah, which basically means the um, pattern of a southerly direction, the first part of that is Shapik Echo, meaning a southern, a southern direction of doing things. So everything goes to the right. And that that process is um, a southerly direction. And it's a harmonious direction because you know how you walk into a Hogan, you always walk in that clockwise manner when you sit down you get up clockwise when you get up you get up clockwise when you tie things you tie it clockwise so that shabik echo and um when you do things in another manner the opposite way 
where you walk opposite or where you do things backwards, they kind of refer to that as shatachiko, meaning against the path of the sun, that you don't follow that sun's pattern. And I always think of that because I don't think I could live anywhere else. I couldn't, I couldn't live in the place where the sun doesn't come above me or where the sun doesn't come up in the east or whether the sun doesn't come up when it's supposed to. When I visited Alaska one year, it was so difficult to be there because the sun came up until two in the afternoon. It was dark all morning. And then thereafter, um, the sun stayed in a, in a certain area. It never came over my head and it sat fast. The sun was gone within like two hours. And I found that very terrible. And I was so miserable when I was there because I've never been experienced that. And of course, being Navajo and where we're at, we have those things. The sun comes over us. The sun father follows a southern, a southern path. There's four directions. There's four seasons or kind of sort of. That's kind of changing a lot. <clears throat> But um, I, I just find it interesting how that um, always affects me as a, as a person. And of course, in the phrase, meaning the future to old age, you want to have a good mind, a good spirit into your old age. You, you know, you never want to say things like, oh, I never want to get old. I never want my hair to get white. I never want to have wrinkly skin. I never want to feel old. I've always been told that and, and learned that process. And meaning the personal travel of yourself, of where you go in your life. Where do you see yourself going? How you follow the suddenly path of and using those mindsets of who you are as a person and how you were raised. And I think of that a lot because um, I grew up like that. You know, being a son of a military father, he was always adamant you were up at a certain time. Of course, you know, his, his teachings too growing up were bestowed upon me. And my of course, my mom was also part of that. She would always get after me if I was still in bed when the sun came up because it was like, you know, you're going to get spots on your face. Things like that. Um really stuck with me after I grew up to be who I am and moving out and becoming my own person, taking care of my own home. It's a very good feeling and I follow those teachings up to this day and I, I resist, you know, those bad things in life as much as I can. You know, the um, the ideals of being lazy and ignoring my responsibilities. And if I wanted to, I would be lazy all day sometimes, but I know that's not gonna get me anywhere in life because it's up to me to make those decisions. Uh, you see, um, uh, as they say, um, you know, do it, work hard, and uh, using the teachings of ego. Um, doing it yourself to make things happen, to avoid bad things, you know, such as uh, laziness, 
poverty. I see so much of that. I experience it every day almost. I, I hear it a lot in folks when I when I communicate with people and I also observe it. The poverty that they're they're in. And they get really um irresponsible when it comes to money, when it comes to living their life. And you stay in that impoverished mindset if you don't take the steps to move yourself forward outside of those ideals of Chin. It leads to Chin. You become hungry. You become unhealthy. You start to look to easy things such as fast food. Again, I am not pointing my fingers at anybody because if I can get fast food because I don't have time to do something, then I'm going to do that which probably contributes to my weight gain. I know that. Yes, I, I feel the judging eyes right now. And also sleep, sleeping a lot. Even when you don't get enough sleep, when you're supposed to go to sleep at a certain time and wake up at a certain time so you're well rested. If you're getting only two hours of sleep a night, something's wrong and it catches up with you. And of course, the most important thing is that. There's a lot of that in our existence as humans. People just know how to have that. And if you don't know what that is, it's jealousy. Jealousy of the mind, jealousy of, of, of who you are and of other people. You learn to hold on to a grudge. You learn to point out people because they have better things than you. But of course, you know, they work hard. And I hear this all the time. It must be nice. A Yosha don't need. People say that to me a lot. It must be nice to have that, to do this, to have that kind of job. And I just kind of like think of the naye, the monsters that we avoid. And that's that. That's the first thing I reference back to individuals that, you know, say that to me. I say, yeah, is what I think. You must have a lot of jealousy to resort to that comment. But yes, it's nice. You know, I, I got my degrees. I worked hard to get where I'm at. It doesn't just happen overnight. It takes a lot of dedication to get where you are in life. And that's kind of my message for you too. Always thrive and always survive in any aspect that you can to support yourself as a person. And so, I, you know, 4th of July is coming up. And I think of a time in my life growing up that, um, I don't know if you any of you remember this, but the radio station, KGAK, KGAK, all Navajo, all the time, they, they have a... Um, they used to have a, what is we used to be known as party in the park. And that took place out in Gallup at the city complex, the sports complex. 
And growing up, my mom and myself, we used to go over there, spend the day there. We used to sell two items, ice cream or fried bread, or together. We would sell it together. And, and I remember one year during 4th of July, we were selling fried bread. And as you know, as your moms do, as your grandmas, your aunties, your sisters do, they make the best fried bread. Well, my mom makes the best fried bread. And we had a long line. And I remember helping my mom trying to, you know, she's trying to um, do the fried bread and the grease, the dough. And I was kneading the dough. And I was also trying to not do that and just take care of the cash. And if somebody wanted um, uh, ice cream, I would do the, the scoop of ice cream into the ice cream cone. But we would do that. We would set up and put up a tent, a little canopy 10 by 10, and set up the grill with the propane tank. And um, my dad, he was probably mostly working. He worked a lot. He was a, he did a lot of um, traveling throughout the reservation. And he would have to stay out in these areas like Old Jato, Tuba City, Copper Mine, even way out east to Chaco and beyond, Torreon, Counselor. But um, he would um, be gone several weeks at a time because they were drilling for water. And he was one of the drilling operators. So it was always just my mom and me growing up. And we would make extra money. My mom would give me that money because we worked for it. And of course, um, I would split it with her, but she would just give it all to me. So that really taught me the discipline to stand on my own and do something that helps sustain you, whether it's to support your life or whether it's to bring you extra income. So I always think of that, and I'm real thankful to my mom for disciplining me to do hard work. It, the money wasn't just given to me. We had to work all day in that sun. We would work all day making dough, catching up. The line would get long. There would be like, it felt like there used to be like 50 people in line at one time waiting for us to get to them next. And these were like a dollar fry bread at the time. Nowadays, fry bread's like $5, $10 sometimes, depending where you're at. So that's my message, you know, working hard. And the littlest things that you do with your children, with yourselves, you know, contribute to a long-term benefit for those that are that are part of that conversation and part of that project. They learn those aspects from you and they carry it forward in their lives. And I did. I carried it forward with me and it taught me hard work. So um, next week's the Economic Summit at Twin Arrows, <clears throat> and I'll be attending. I'll be there on Tuesday. I'm sitting on a panel regarding inform information, regarding intellectual property, or as you know it as IP. And I'll be talking about trademarks, hallmarks, the effect of the Navajo brand, how to protect it, how to protect your work, how to brand your work as an artist, as an enterprise, being the CEO of Navajo Arts and Craft Enterprise, it's my goal and mission to sustain art, but also help our artisans become part of this conversation. So that's going on next week, Tuesday at Twin Arrows. And I'll be on this panel with um, 
the Navarnation Department of Justice and Catherine Beltswatsky's the lead attorney. And she had asked two other individuals. I think they're professor scholars, including little old me, um, the CEO of Navarch and Craft Enterprise, to be part of this conversation. But um, I was part of all those litigations when Navajo Nation had um, filed a lawsuit against Urban Outfitters, and I was one of their expert witnesses. So it's becoming full circle, you know, being a part of that that whole um, litigation, and then now speaking about it. And you know, I want to pub I want to publish some work as to how people can take those processes to create a trademark and file it and doing it for free. Those things are free. You shouldn't have to pay for those. I know there's a lot of um, websites that are secondary that make you think that you have to pay a fee to file a trademark. So that's what I have going on next week. You know, to all my fellow artisans, many of us go through that daily process of doing our work. Ensure your art, ensure your authenticity, follow that process to protect your work. It's your cultural identity. And most importantly, sharing that knowledge and carrying it out moving forward. We'll talk more about that, how to protect your art, how to be authentic. What is authenticity? How do you avoid, you know, cheating people? People like to take shortcuts on many things, using manufactured products as part of a final project or using synthetic stones or materials instead of the real thing. And who does it really damage? It doesn't really damage the customer. Yeah, it, it, it'll affect the customer because they're not going to trust you. But it also affects the reputation for what's been created for you from those that have been part of this dialogue for centuries, decades, and have created and been part of the masters, the masters of art, whether it's Navajo, whether it's Sioux, whether it's Cheyenne, whether it's Lakota, whether it's... Seminole, everyone, Pueblos, Hopi, all of us were part of that conversation together. So um, I'll do more of that. Uh, kind of reaching 30 minutes. This kind of went by a little fast. Tomorrow's Father's Day. So happy Father's Day to all of the fathers out there, especially my dad. I'm very thankful for you and thankful for everything that you have provided for me growing up. Um, and I know that I wouldn't be where I'm at without your hard work, without your discipline. Just to share a quick story with you. When my dad used to take me to school um, back in high school, he used to always tell me, go to school. Don't do anything. Don't go to work. Don't start working. Go to school and be those people that work in those offices that make the decisions for the rest of us. And he, he worked under the Division of Natural Resources. So he his um, executive director was, I, I think it was Arvin Chirillo at the time or Fred White. But he would always say that. He would always say, be like those guys that come in and make the tough decisions. Sit at that desk, sign those papers and be the authority behind what we do. He would always say that to me. And he would say, I don't want you out here working hard, hurting yourself, hurting your back. You know, because I see that with him now. Because when we were doing the sheep the other weekend, 
he was pretty um, tired and he got pretty sore. And of course, you know, I had to take control and help and take the lead in catching the sheep and vaccinate them. But that's all his years of hard work. And of course, um, you know, the ailments that come after. So he would always say that to me. He would always say, use your brain more. Be smart. Talk smart. Talk smarter than those people out there. So that that really, really played a role in in my ambitions to go to college and to bring my knowledge back. And I, I did it. I didn't do it by myself. I did it with the help of all of my family. Each and every one of them were part of that upbringing with me on my my Masan, my Che, my Nullies, my Bijas. Everybody was part of that, and I'm real thankful. So again, happy Father's Day. Your impact is truly felt. It may not be an immediate thank you, but of course the long-term effects for what you do for your families will be felt generations down the road because you did something to keep your children on a good path or right path. You taught them how to survive and live. You instilled in them our way of life as well as what it is to work hard. And you encourage your families to grow. So, we have the 4th of July coming up in Winter Rock. We have the PRCA taking place July 2nd through the 4th. The Eastern Fair starts on July 22nd. Gallup Ceremonial, the 100th year, 101 years actually, from August 4th through the 13th. Those are some good things to look forward to. The Summer of Art is here. People are creating. I bought some amazing things today at Sheepa, Sheepa's Life from my good friend Ravis Henry, Ravis Henry. And I bought a bracelet for my dad for Father's Day. I bought a basket and some sheep pins. I'm going to keep one, give one to my mom. So support Navajo. Really support Navajo. Not just Navajo, but Native. Support everybody. Native-owned. It really creates a strong dialogue when you keep it Native, when you keep it Navajo. The impacts affect immediately. You know, these support livelihoods, support a way of life. It supports the continuation of who we are, the identity through our art. So have a good week again, work hard, be productive, do the smallest things to have the long-term effect on yourself and your family, your friends, your relatives, and continue to live a good way of life. Everybody out there, thank you very much. This is episode two. Again, the views of this broadcast are solely of mine, JT Willie. And they don't affect any kind of thought processes or those in any any associations that I'm a part of. They're just solely based on my views and upbringing as a young Diné person living this life and continuing to hold true the identity of who I am through my art, through my family, through my tradition, my culture, my religion, and everything. Yeah.